It's time for Moment of Truth with David Moses. And welcome to Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. You're listening to Element FM in Ottawa and Toronto, 106.5 in Toronto, 95.7 in Ottawa. You could also be listening anywhere across Canada by t- uh, going to the Radio Player Canada app and uh, typing in ELMNTFM and uh, go to Toronto or Ottawa, click the station you desire, and then just follow directions, and you could be listening anywhere across Canada. I would like to welcome Marcia Chum to our uh, station and to our show today. Uh, she's uh, on the road uh, traveling, but I really appreciate her taking the time to call in and talk to us. There's some exciting stuff going on. She has a new single out. So, Marcia, welcome to Element FM and Moment of Truth. Hi. It's nice to be here. <laughs> it's a pleasure to have you here. Listen, why don't we start with the fact that uh, you're, you're heading down, I guess, from your home community of Kapiskasing, and you're heading off to some music awards. Yes, I am. Um, I've actually relocated to Timmins, Ontario, which I where I went to high school. Uh, I moved from Cap uh, this past summer, but yeah, I left this morning from Timmins. I'm on my way to uh, the Native American Music Awards in Nama, New York. And why are you going there? I'm 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 expecting there's a certain reason. Uh yeah, I was nominated for three awards, um, which I'm really really blessed to be a part of this again two years ago i was nominated for one award for the first song i ever wrote if only for single of the year and this year i was nominated for three because i had released a a music video and another single in maine and and what is that uh undone my single undone right and the three awards that you're up for are uh best female artist Best concept for music video and best independent recording by a new artist. Wow, congratulations just on the nominations. Thank you very much. I'm very excited and I'm just honored to be nominated. It's uh, an amazing feeling. Of, you know, like, it's like, like the first time I was nominated, it's just, you can't describe it. It's just an honor. <laughs> well, all the best with that. But, but listen, the other thing we want to make sure that people understand is uh, the, the song Undone is not a remake of the old. Uh, uh, a song by the the Guess Who? No, <laughs> no, it's not. It's not a remake. <laughs> <laughs> it's an original song, and uh, I had a chance, of course, to listen to it, and I love the harmonies. Oh yes, um, I worked with the label Flat Car Records, and Chris Graham was the producer of the song, and he just put it together really beautifully. Yeah, now, what can you tell us about that song? Uh, I know it's a song based on a little bit of uh, heartache. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think everyone can relate to that when they listen to music. Uh, most songs that I hear nowadays are about uh, love and heartache. Um, and matters of the heart are never easy, right? My, my song basically tells a story about two people who are just too afraid to admit that they're in love with each other. Um, just because they're too scared to get hurt. And then basically... They're just holding off to maybe one day it'll happen, but just not at that moment. Right. Uh, Now, can you take us back a little bit as well? Uh, Tell us something about the first song you were nominated for at the Native American Music Awards, If Only. Oh, If Only. That was definitely a really um, personal part of my life, a chapter. And I'm not really good at expressing how I feel just to another person in words. Um, So I'm kind of, um, the only way I kind of learned how to express myself was actually learning how to play a guitar that was given to me by my father. And I learned a few basic chords, and I ended up writing that song, If Only, um, in a room at a place that I worked where I usually play and sing. So, yeah, so that was just a chapter in my life, and it was just a good way to, you know, put closure to that chapter. Now, when you say somewhere where you usually work, uh, would that have been the Kapiskasing Indian Friendship Center? Yes, that's where I worked. I was there for 11 years. I only started writing music about four years ago, um, and If Only was like um, the first song I ever wrote, and I was actually playing, learning to play guitar on my breaks and during my lunch hour in this room. And uh, yeah, so that's where I kept practicing and playing, and I ended up writing a, a song in there, my very first song. Now, uh, you say you, you started writing songs about four years ago. Is that when yeah. your dad presented you with this guitar and said, learn it? That's exactly it. Um, 
he uh, showed up one day. I was at home, and my dad's a, a, like a gypsy heart. Like he just he travels all the time, and when he passes through, he stops by. But one, you know, just one afternoon, he came in, dropped in, and he was like, "You need to learn how to play this." And he handed me a guitar, and then he got back on the road. <laughs> mm. And, and uh, would yeah. you, your 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 material and your style is more on the on the folky end of things, would you say, or how would you how would you convey you, you know your style of of playing and singing? Okay, so like because I'm new at this industry, I kind of had some people working with me because I didn't really know what kind of genre mm-hmm. I was when it came to my songs, and they said that I was a very like uh, folky sound, mm-hmm. and I, I like had along the lines of a Fleetwood Mac, Stevie Nicks. Buffy St. Marie kind of feel to it, so I I believe I would fall into the folk category. <laughs> mm. Okay, and, and uh, as we mentioned, uh, well, I don't know if we did this, if we did mention this, um, uh, you know, because we started talking to you right away about where you're from and where you're on the way to the mm-hmm. Native American Music Awards, but um, yeah. you are from uh, the Constance Lake First Nation and of Cree heritage. Yes, uh, Constance Lake First Nation is uh, where I'm from, and I am Cree, Northern Cree, and yeah, that's my First Nation. I'm very proud to be from that First Nation. And um, now your parents are also involved with music, are they still? Yeah, uh, my father uh, actually won um, an award a few years ago at the Native American Music Awards, and my mom's a, a gospel singer for her church, and she released a few uh, CDs herself um, recently. So, like, growing up in the home, my parents, that was, like, our way of language in the house. I always heard them singing and playing, and there were always, um, there was always a guitar around. Um, so that was just, like, a part of our lifestyle. Mm. Uh, what, what was your dad nominated for? I think he was, uh, yeah, my dad was nominated for Best Artist. Um, this was a couple years ago, actually. I remember he brought it over, and um, I got to hold the award myself, and I was looking at it thinking, like, that's just an amazing accomplishment. And, you know, even then I didn't even know um, that I would be on my way there. Mm. You know, fast forward a few years later, it's actually been more than a few years. It's been uh, over six years, and all of a sudden I'm, like, uh, on my way there. Well, what's your dad's name, if you don't mind me asking? His name is Peter Sackany. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Well, that's great. Yeah. It runs in the family. It doesn't hurt to have that connection. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm very proud um, that my parents, you know, kind of exposed me to that kind of stuff where it was just um, a way of, you know, of life in our home. Singing was always something that they did. You know, um, I remember my dad playing songs to us before we were in bed, you know, just like a lullaby to put us to sleep. And it's a big, huge part of my childhood memories, definitely. Mm. Now, uh, as you say, you're on your way to the to the music awards. Uh, you've been nominated in three categories, and uh, yeah. the video uh, the video that uh, it goes along with your song "Undone." It's, mm-hmm. it's very beautifully, very beautifully uh, video uh, recorded. What can you tell us about it? Uh, uh, I was living, um, I have these two friends, well, my dad's two friends, they have a home in back of their house, it's almost like a garage that was rebuilt into a loft, and that's where I was staying during the time that I was in Toronto, and then when um, Tia Brazda, she's uh, Chris Graham's husband, she was um, managing me for a bit, and she loved the place, so in the room where the shots are, that's actually where I stayed while I was in Toronto, um and then they knew of a place they kind of wanted to keep me to my northern roots and and they wanted to get that feel through the video and like i absolutely love that idea too and i agree with that and they brought me to this place where near the water and it was almost just like being at home like you couldn't you wouldn't even feel like you were in toronto wait a minute wait wait hang on hang on you were in toronto filming that Yes, I would, uh, the whole video was filmed in Toronto. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You would never have known you were in yeah. anywhere close to Toronto. Yeah, and I forget what that spot is called. Um, I remember they had to tell me a few times because I was just in awe of what it looked like. Is it the Bluffs? in awe. Is that the Bluffs? Yeah, something, I think so. I think that sounds very familiar. Yeah, mm, my, it was just filmed there. Right. Yeah. But but yeah, I must say even the uh the place you described the sh- the interior shots that that was really nice that 
that shot with you on the bed where you're writing. Yeah. Was that your yeah, cat? That was, like, was that your cat or was that their cat? Yeah, it was uh, Paul and Kelly's cat, actually. His name is Jeff, and he kept me company for two weeks while I was there because I have this um, issue with being homesick if I'm far away from home too long, but he was really good company. So, And he was just around, and it was just a great addition to the video. Okay, so I have to ask you now, we're talking about the video, and there was a particular shot which I thought was really interesting, it, and it was more something that I just noticed, and I don't know if this was done for the purposes of filming or if it was just if it's an actual thing. You write with your left hand. Yes, I'm but, a left hand. But you also play. You play. You don't play left-handed. <laughs> no, I don't play left-handed, which is really weird. Yeah, a lot of people notice that. I'm a left-hander, but I don't play left-hander. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. I'm just going to let everybody know that you're listening to Moment of Truth on Element FM, and my guest is Marcia Chum. She's on the phone and on her way to the uh, Native American Music Awards uh, and where she's nominated for her song Undone in three categories. And uh, we're, we're very honored and thankful that she was taking the time to uh, get on the phone with us and, uh, and speak to us while she's on the road. Of course, she's not driving. She is uh, safe yeah. as a passenger. She's not, uh, she's not taking any chances there, and we appreciate that as well. Yes. So once you're done with the awards, and uh, depending, of course, on how that goes... Uh, do you have any upcoming gigs or anything like that? Um, not right now. I think more of my platform is headed to more uh, towards more of the direction. I love working with youth. And as part of my job, a full-time job, is uh, I'm a TAY worker. It's a transitional age youth worker mm-hmm. uh, with a family services. So I basically work with youth and help them, you know, develop a support system for them and help them prevent them from getting into the system or help them trans- transition out. So I actually get in, uh, invited to a lot of youth gatherings and mental health summits, you know, to kind of speak to the youth and just kind of empower them to help them find their gifts and what they're good at and to kind of tap into that. And, um, you know, that's more of where um, my, actually my platform's taking me, which I totally love. I just love youth. Uh, you know, they're a generation all the time. And I always keep that in mind when I'm speaking with them, that they're very important, you know, uh, part of the medicine wheel and um, so basically, that's what I've been doing with my time. In the summer, I do a few gigs. I've been doing festivals in mm-hmm. the Timmins area, the Capiscation area. So, yeah. But I have a feeling um, after this uh, awesome experience that I have, um, I think there's going to be a lot more gigs set up to do that kind of stuff. So I'm looking forward to that. That's great. Congratulations. You know, uh, and you'll have to make Thank sure you. we are aware of what's going on if uh you know, to maybe we'll have you, if you're in the Toronto area, you know, we'll have to have you back in, in on the show. It'll be nice to speak with you in person. Yes, I would absolutely love that, and I'll definitely let you guys know the next time I'm there. I'll now, actually be passing through <laughs> tonight. You know, the other thing that I want to, that I want to mention is that um, you, you mentioned this other thing you do by empowering the youth, and I think that's, mm-hmm. that's just as as uh, uh, important uh, uh, the, uh, an issue or, or, or a goal that you are, are, are doing as your music. Mm-hmm. You know, your music is for you, but, uh, but doing this and, and helping youth is, is very important. It is very important. And, like, uh, I grew up in the foster care system. You know, my parents had their struggles. There's like, cycles there, um, patterns that I picked up growing up. And I got, you know, um, to this place in my life where I just didn't know who I was and I needed direction. And, you know, thank God my parents, you know, picked up. They, they got themselves into a really good mind, good spirit, good path. And, you know, healed from certain kind of things. And then, it like, I saw that as an example where, you know, I needed... It was up to me, um, you know, to change my direction. And But if I was younger and I had that kind of influence in my life um, where someone was speaking to me, empowering me, telling them, like, I've been through this, there is a way to go, it's, but it's going to be hard work. And uh, I think I think my chapter in my story would have been a little more different. Mm. Um, but I don't regret my life at all. I, like, there's a lot of lessons in there that I've learned and it's brought me to where I needed to be and it's happening at the time that it's supposed to happen I believe that with all my heart but yeah I think like so I have the opportunity to do that for kids I'm definitely going to jump on the chance you know to advocate and bring voices to communities um, and help the youth use their own 
You know, uh, when you say that, of course, this hasn't been uh, too far of a step away from music because, in fact, in doing so, uh, you've you've had the opportunity to go to different gatherings and summits and schools uh, to share the stage with some other people like Ted Nolan and Andrea Sutherland from Midnight Shine. Yeah, um, Adrian Sutherland um, was there. We actually went uh, to high school together. Mm. Um, which is really funny. We were in the same kind of group of friends and stuff. And if you would have told us during that time that we would be doing this kind of stuff, I probably would have said that they were nuts. But, uh, yeah. So, yeah. And it's really, it's an awesome opportunity like, and to see what Adrian's doing in his career. And I think it's really amazing um, that he's shedding light and using his platform to advocate also for like First Nation communities and the water crisis. Um, I think it's amazing that Indigenous people are using their platform to do that, such as Ashley Collingbull. I had an opportunity opportunity to meet her a few times and share the uh, stage with her and listen to her story, mm. too. So it's really awesome just to see everybody's backgrounds and hear their struggles, you know, to uh, see them, how they got to that point in their lives where they're starting to be successful and then using their platform, you know, to um, help other people, which is amazing. Yeah, now going back to your first single that you released, If Only, uh, where you yeah. earned a Song of the Year nomination at the 2017 Native American Music Awards, um, mm-hmm. you also participated in some other things, like a placement with the Indigenous Music Residency. Yes, in Winnipeg, and I actually got my uh, foot in the door with a lot of different um, artists that are, like, I'm, like, we're all friends on Instagram, we connected there we exchanged, uh, you know, numbers and stuff like that. We still keep in contact. And I just, like, I just got started in that industry not too long, so I felt like I was a rookie um, because all these other amazing, talented artists have been at it for a few years, and I was just, like, really honoured to kind of be in the same level as them Um, and to hear, like, I had opportunities to speak to different producers and learn different things about the industry. And I actually had time to sing on stage and just kind of uh, had what I needed to work on, you know, pointed out and just, it was really good that they prepare us for things like that. It's an amazing program. Great. Um, So Mm -hmm. as you say, you forgot this, uh, this other song uh, undone. Now you're heading down for the awards. Uh, we'll see how that goes for you. And as we said, yeah. we wish you all the best with that. But the other thing we Thank haven't talked so about much. before, before you got involved with this, uh, the music industry, and uh, we mentioned your Cree heritage and you being from Constance Lake first nation, you were, uh, you were uh, uh, a hand drum singer at an early age. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my dad actually built a big drum and um, he didn't have, well, he had two daughters and a son, and uh, I guess my brother just wasn't really interested in that part right now. Uh, but when my dad was around the drum, it was actually me and my little sister that kind of went around and started learning the songs with him. Um, and I really didn't know what kind of voice that I had um, it just, that just came out. We formed a drum group called Grandfather's Children. And a few girls from my school actually joined in, too. And we just, you know, we went on the power trail with that. Um, I'm on the hand drum a lot. And uh, I, I go and I sing at ceremonies um, sometimes when I'm needed or if I need to share a song. Yeah, so I love doing that. I, I really, really love that part of my culture. Mm. Now, you know, there's a comment uh, from, your, from your website that I thought was really interesting. And I'm wondering if you can elaborate on it for us. For other okay. people that might uh, might might understand this, so it says yeah. you weren't planning on on being in music. You said it found you, but you went on to say, "When you're born with a purpose, it will find you, no matter what." What what does that mean? What did you mean by that? Um, I don't want to get too much into the religious aspect, but my my mother and my father are, walk both different paths, but they keep me balanced. Mm. And um, before I even knew I was going to be a musician, I attended a camp meeting and um, there was this prayer line and I was just kind of like, oh, I'll give it a try. I guess I was just trying to find my direction. Mm. I got uh, into the lineup and I've never met this pastor before and he was praying over people. Um, And when he got to me, he put his hand over me like he was going to start praying and he stopped and he looked at me. I've never seen this guy before in my life and he's never seen me and this is before uh, I became uh, a musician or even picked up a guitar and he just kind of looked at me and he said, you have a gift 
And it was kind of like a prophecy. And he's like, you have a gift and you're going to use it in a mighty way. And then he kind of just moved on to the next uh, person. And I was just kind of like, okay, <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> uh, all right. But I think certain things in your life, you know, just kind of start leading. Like people will be there and it will give you, you know, an outlook on which direction you should be heading. And you'll meet the right people. And no matter what path, you know, your purpose will find you like no matter what there's always going to be something that's going to lead you in the right direction when you really, you know, focus on what it is that you want to do. Um, and I wanted to change my life in a different way. And I didn't know it was going to be through music, but I know I definitely wanted to walk a different path. And this is the path that I got. So I, I'm really happy with that. <laughs> well, thank you for sharing that with us. That, uh, that's yeah, very nice. Welcome. Very nice. And I'm sure you're not the only person to have experiences such as that. And and probably yeah. not the last. So there might be somebody out there who has recently had a similar uh, kind of an experience, or maybe one, uh, maybe one that they'll have soon, and that will set yeah. them on the path for uh, for where they want to be. Yeah, yeah, and it's uh, like um, I look forward to hearing stories about people and how they got to where they are, and like it's pretty insane how the universe or god or buddha like whoever you believe in you know intervenes and stuff like that so i think it's really cool that's awesome great marcy i think the best way for us to end the segment with you uh here is to actually have a listen to your song undone for people to to listen to it and give it a give it a chance to hear and uh, we just want to say thanks for joining us on the show today and we wish you all the best and we look forward to seeing more from you and also speaking with you in person sometime here at element fm well, thank you for giving me the time and having this conversation. I really enjoyed it, and I appreciate it so much. All right. Take care. Drive safely. Welcome back to Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses, and you are listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. And in the second part of our show today, the body remembers when the world broke open. That is the name of the film that we will be discussing and talking about today on the show. And... I have three people with me standing next to me, sharing the studio, and I'm going to introduce you to them now. Kathleen Hepburn, Elamaya Tailfeathers, and Violet Nelson. And they are three people involved with, with the show. Uh, Kathleen and Elamaya, both uh, from the backside of the camera, and uh, Violet, of course, is on camera. Is that correct? If I, did I get that right? Uh Elamaya is also uh, acting in the film. Violet and Elamaya are the are the leads of the film. Okay, did I? But are you also and, and, involved with the back end yes, of it? Yes. <laughs> okay, so that's where I got confused. Yeah, Thanks you for correcting Kathleen me. On and that. I are co-writers and co-directors. Yeah, that makes a whole lot of sense because I thought when I was reading over, I I thought, oh, the person who's writing this shares the same story as the person in in the uh, the film as well with this Scandinavian mix of indigenous backgrounds. The, the Sammy, I know a, a wonderful artist, uh, Sammy artist, and um, I'm trying to think of her name, but, but uh, you probably know her more than I do. Mari Boina? Yes. <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah, is she... she's a family friend. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, she's great. Oh, my God, I love, the, I love her music. Mm. But, of course, I would pronounce it Marie Boyne. That's how, <laughs> I don't know if that's how. So, but, oh, that's great. So, uh, wonderful. You'll have to say hi for me. I will. <laughs> <laughs> so, listen, let's, uh, you know, as I was watching this, uh, it became very clear very early on that I felt very sorry for the cameraman. <laughs> now, I don't know if that's accurate or not. Because the film is in real time, and you certainly see that. And I was—I don't know if there was trickery going on, but um, that was quite a fascinating uh, way to portray this story in real time as these two women uh, go about uh, their encounter in this afternoon in Vancouver. Uh, do you guys want any of you guys want to talk talk about that a little bit, or? Um, yeah, I, I wouldn't call it quite trickery. Um, it is a it is a continuous take for the yep. majority of the film. Um, so the the actor's action is continuous, and the the reason we wanted to do that was we wanted to give the cast the full emotional arc, uh, almost more like a, a theatrical experience, so that they could f they could really be in the moment and have have authentic reactions to one another and 
uh, each each day we shot was a different experience for them, but um, they got they got to sort of go through the whole experience as the characters do. Each day you shot, and yet this is continuous action, so it was not all done in sort of one sort of. It it, it was uh, done in in one go yeah. five times. Ah. So we did it once a day for five okay. days, um, and so uh, we had we had stitch points or transition points mm-hmm. because it's shot on sixteen millimeter, yep. and uh, you have eleven minutes for each <laughs> film mag. So we had to build in transitions. Um, our our very talented cinematographer Norm Lee um, coined uh, his process real time transitions, mm. and so we had all of these stitch points where um, a camera assistant would have the the camera ready to go to swap. And so, yes, we did it five times with continuous action once a day over five days. And then we had uh, multiple takes of each one of these segments and Mm. wove it together based on performance and continuity. So the voice you just heard was Elamaya. So uh, Elamaya, of course, you are you are part of the, the the team that wrote this along with Kathleen. But you you are also uh, you play one of the main characters in the film as well. And uh, you and Violet uh, that uh, is standing next to you, who were the leads and uh, have most of they're always on screen and the camera's always following you guys. And and it it was really interesting to see it done that way, of course. And and the fact that you did this continuously over five days, which is is wonderful to hear something about that process and to give that that real uh, real time feel to it, and it really does flow that way. Of course, um, I guess how how is that challenging to do something for you guys to and and guess what I'm what I'm trying to get to is um, once you were familiar with how the story was rolling out, right? Was there more ad lib going on because you were guys were just you know in the moment and and sort of living it and and just letting it flow? Uh, well, um, yes and no. Uh, we ha- we had to stick very closely to the script because of the technical demands of the film. Mm. Um, so we we rehearsed actually for close to four weeks um, with. With Violet, Kathleen and I put a lot of work into prep and planning, had a lot of conversations about how we wanted this to unfold, um, making decisions about who the camera was on in which particular moment. Um, And so, yeah, we rehearsed for close to four weeks with Violet as though it was theater um, so that when we went to camera, we were completely off book and had um, the the crew choreography down as well because it had to be... um, executed just so otherwise everything could could fall apart um but um coming from a a theater background i find the process of rehearsal so enriching um and uh, violet our our lead actor had actually never acted before um and so yeah believe it or not she's she's never acted before and she's a phenomenal talent um but we wanted to be able to support her in the process um and felt that treating it like theater might bring out the most organic uh, performance from her. So um, that was also one of the reasons why we decided to do the one take. It wasn't to, you know, achieve this uh, technical sort of thing. It was it was more um, for um, building an organic performance from from both Violet and myself, and then also having the audience feel trapped in this in this situation. Um, and the film is inspired by an experience that I had in East Vancouver in the same neighborhood where the film takes place. Um, and those few hours that I spent with that young woman um, really altered everything for me. Uh, it, it, it stuck with me for years, and um, I learned so much in those few short hours. And so we wanted to be able to... Um, convey that experience of being trapped and wanting to find a solution and not really knowing how to go about that. And um, we wanted to, uh, to to bring levity to those moments of silence, those moments where nothing is being said, but these two women are, mm. are sitting together in this space trying to, to figure out how to move forward. It, it, of course, speaks to a much larger picture as well about situations and women's stories. So 
I mean, it, it is. It's interesting that that the two leads are are um, as you say trapped in this in this environment that you guys are put in, and it's telling that story from uh, from two different perspectives of women coming from it at it from different angles. So it, it's really interesting, and and it's really also what you said about Violet, and in terms of her her non. Uh, prior experience of acting, I believe, uh, it, from my perspective anyway, uh, it's so such a genuine performance that you get from her that it it you know you you I don't think an experienced actor could bring that you know it was wonderful it was wonderful to see Violet and it was so genuine you you couldn't ask for. <laughs> you know, you don't, if, there, if there's an, if there's a, uh, you know, not that I'm uh, the all and end all about about <laughs> actors and actresses, but I don't, I don't see how, uh, uh, you know, one of the top actresses or actors could do that and 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 bring that. It just came at the can, you know. It, it really did. Well, we'll let Violet speak to her experiences, yeah, but um, we. Absolutely, yeah. We we went through the conventional casting channels and just couldn't find a professional actor with this this very specific thing we were looking for. Um, we wanted to find a young woman who um, embodied Rosie's lived experience, um, and so we did an open casting call mm. um, and found Violet, and she had these deep, soulful eyes. Uh, <laughs> such a, you know, you, you could just watch Violet do anything really um, but she brought this uh, beautiful integrity and empathy um, to the character and um, also this uh, just unfiltered um, performance it just it was it was so authentic and, and beautiful um, but yeah let's let's let Violet talk about her experience great Violet welcome to the show it's great to have you here it really is and and it's it's it, and you did such a great job. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> what was it like for you to be in this film? It was very strange at first because yeah. it's something that I'm not, I was not familiar with. Right. And so like when we did like rehearsals, um, they helped me with like breathing exercises mm -hmm. and to also like uh, imagine myself uh, being pregnant because mm -hmm. like never been pregnant before so <laughs> so I had to really like think about what it was like to have my own kid um and to like imagine the love and the caring that I would have for the kid and so uh, they helped me like imagine that and also with rehearsals um to memorize my lines mm. that was tough but they helped me like uh, repeat them over and over again, like each scene separately. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And like we would run around the room and just do like random activities mm -hmm. and read our lines. Mm -hmm. And that really helped with the lines stick in my head. Mm. And we would also like write what Rosie was thinking or feeling for each scene. Mm -hmm. And that helped me understand her more than I did mm -hmm. and also connect with her more. Okay. So... What is it like for you to sit back and watch this film and see yourself up there? I get nervous a lot because yeah. I'm like, what if, what do people think? Like, I hope <laughs> they like it. I hope they like understand it. And um, I hope someone can connect to the story and to the characters and even like family that watch it. Mm. Like my cousin came mm. to watch the screening at the at TIFF and uh, he's he said to me, he's like, I honestly forgot that you're my cousin when I was watching this. And then at the end, I was like, oh, right, that's my cousin. That was my cousin that was Rosie. And yeah, so it was overwhelming, but it was also like exciting. And yeah. So when you got the, when you went to the, why did you go to the, the, the open call for this? What was, what attracted you to it? <laughs> well, I, um, Maya and I have a friend in common. And so she messaged me and told me about this. And said, can you let other girls know about it? And I mm. said, yeah, sure. And she's like, if you want to go for it, you can go for it as well. And I was like, 
okay, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> um, and I told my mom about it. I told her about mm. Rosie because it had a little description of what Rosie is like. Mm. And my mom was like, are you going to go for it? And I was like, no. And then she's like, why not? And I was like, acting's not my thing. And then she's like, how do you know? Mm. I was like, I, I, I don't. She's like, have you ever done it? And I was like, no. <laughs> and so she's like, well, it's either a yes or a no that you're going to get. So you should just, just go for it. And so she kind of made me go for the mm. auditions. And um, each time I was like getting more excited. I was like, oh, maybe I will get in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so my mom, yeah. So my mom, she really pushed me to go for this, for this project. Mm. So, you know, uh, as you were talking there and you said your, your cousin said, I forgot it was, you know, you're my cousin up there watching it. Do you, do, you, do you understand that when people look at that, they don't see you, they see the character you're playing, right? Yeah. 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 But is that, is that clear? Is, it, like, you under, like, is that hard for you to grasp? Because you see yourself, right? Yeah, actually, um, my, my mom and I have connections to Rosie. So my mom was in an abusive relationship, mm. uh, and I witnessed it a lot. She's no longer in it. Like mm. we're, we're, we're mm -hmm. fine now. Mm -hmm. And um, so I understand what was going on um, in that relationship, and so that really helped me understand Rosie more. And I was also in foster care for six months mm. when I was a kid, and so I know what it's like in in the system. Mm. Yeah, interesting. Um, so uh, you guys, are all of you from the West Coast? You're all from Vancouver. You live in Vancouver. Yeah. Where's your home community? Um, it's Quetzino. It's really close to Port Hardy on Vancouver Island. Oh, yeah. Okay. And uh, Inlet. Uh, and I'm also from Honduras on my dad's side. Oh, wow. Yeah. Cool. I'm Blackfoot from... Uh, Ghana or Kainai, the blood reserve in southern Alberta, and also Sami from Norway, but based in Vancouver and partially New York. Yeah, and, and I am Vancouver, Vancouver based. Yeah. Right. Um, when did you guys first talk, start talking about putting this idea down and, and creating something? Two years ago? <laughs> I don't know. It, it happened very quickly. I mean, often film takes, of, especially feature films, it takes. Uh, a lot of time to to find the financing and make it happen but um i basically approached kathleen and tyler one of our producers and then laurie lisinski came on later um but i approached them with the story i think was it two years ago two and a half years maybe tops uh and then we we just dove right in and um you know, there's all these conversations about barriers in the film industry, especially for women making films mm. and for um, uh, um, people who belong to the margins, I guess, uh, like myself, Indigenous filmmakers, uh, or not belong in the margins, but are put in the margins. <laughs> um, there's all these conversations about barriers that we face in terms of accessing funding, and those certainly exist. Um, but what we found also is that... Um, a lot of funding institutions saw value in bringing this story to the screen. And so we received um, most of the support that we needed. I mean, it was a very low-budget film, but we received the support that we needed to, to make it happen, and it all happened very quickly. Mm. Okay, just before we go on, I just want to let everyone know you're listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. This is Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. My guests in the studio are Kathleen Hepburn, Elmaya Tailfeathers, and Violet Nelson. Did I get that right, Elmaya? And um, so Elmaya, as well as Kathleen, uh, both uh, were the, the writers and the people that brought this together. But Elmaya, of course, also plays one of the leads in the film. Violet and Nelson is in her... Uh, is in her very first on-camera uh, performance and having not ha had acted prior to this, we were talking a little bit about that uh, earlier as well. And I think that, you know, something that, that triggered when you said, you know, it, not only is it genuine and, and, and wonderful to see Violet's performance, it's almost like she has no relationship. She had no relationship to the camera. 
right? She didn't understand that relationship, and I think that's what made it so wonderful to watch her. Yeah. Does that make sense to you guys? Yeah, definitely. That was one thing that, that stood out for us immediately in the audition process and in some of our early tests was that she just was herself in front of the camera or if the camera wasn't there, she, her body didn't change, her action didn't change. She was just so much in the present, which was so beautiful. Yeah, and, and it just, uh, you do almost forget that uh, it's very easy to forget it's in real time because you're just drawn into this process. But it's wonderful to see this, um, you know, uh, this this process of just the camera following around everywhere. Now, there is a couple of kind of neat things that happen in the film that I thought were pretty cool. And, and I was kind of like, what? How did they do that? And, of course, they both involve doors. <laughs> you know, which, which scenes I'm talking about, right? Yeah. Do you, would, would you like to talk about that a little bit? Uh, just to check, are you speaking about when the truck goes by or... Oh, I missed the one. The cars? I was actually referring to um, the bathroom scene when she goes in, and she goes in, and, and the bathroom door closes. You hear it closing, but it's like, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> we, we didn't go that far in. How did this? It's movie magic. Yeah, it's movie magic. <laughs> and then the same thing happens sort of in the car when they get back into the taxi, and the door closes, and it's like, wait a minute. It didn't look like you got in far enough to let the camera person also get in, so it was... Yeah, I don't know if we can reveal those. Okay, secrets. well there you go. But, but if you you know when you go to see this, watch for those things. Well, let's just say it took hours and hours of conversations <laughs> to figure out how to close the door. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, okay, it's a half door. You know, that's the first thing I thought of. But anyway, um, yeah, it was wonderful to see, and of course, it's it's what's really interesting. It's not just. Talking heads, you know, it could have been a very easy talking head scene if it was just in one room, but you actually follow the, the actors from one environment to the next, going downstairs, out to the street, into the car, out of the car. And it, it really makes it flow well and, and easy to, to watch. Violet, what was it like for you to, to have them say, okay, so now you gotta, you got to pilfer some, some cash out of this, this woman's purse you know you got to take that oh. right I don't know I was just like okay let's do it <laughs> I was like I'm cool with it um oh yeah it was really hard to be angry yeah yeah so I didn't want to like get angry at Maya in those scenes mm. I was like I don't want to I was like I don't want to like be mean to Maya and then they're like but it's not Maya it's Isla mm -hmm. and you're Rosie and you're not Violet and I was like, but I don't want to hurt her feelings. It's like, <laughs> I don't want to get mad. So we worked on that, like the taxi scene where like I get mad at her mm. and she gets a bit mm. mad with me. Um, we worked on that one a lot because I just couldn't, I couldn't seem upset or anything. So that was really interesting what you just mentioned about the, the taxi. When all of a sudden Rosie kind of comes alive. She starts sharing this this. She takes you to another place because now all of a sudden it's not about you going somewhere. It's your sister who's going in. My sister. <laughs> it was really interesting to see that scene. And that's a bit of a monologue for you to do that, right? And, and with the taxi driver. Uh, was that difficult? How was that for you to do that? The whole, like, sister part, that mm. was really fun. Mm. Um, I like to, like, joke with people a lot and kind of trick them. And so that was really fun to do. And... <laughs> I want to see what Maya would say about that. Well, I'm you know, it's interesting, be, and, and that's exactly how it comes across. Like, you are having fun, and you're toying with people. And, it, it, well, for me, it worked really well. I thought it was great. Yeah, that, that scene is a lot of fun, and um, we actually really appreciate how um, the audience here at TIFF responded. Like, mm. they actually laughed. I think uh, when we screened in Germany, um, it was a very respectful audience, and I don't know if they were were sure if they were allowed to laugh. Mm. Um, and uh, it it, it um, was kind of an ode to the actual experience that I had years ago um, where this young woman who I met that day, um, despite having been through what she'd been through, she was still um, so funny and, and, and strong and um, she made me laugh so much. Uh, and I was just blown away by her ability to... Um, to smile after what she'd been mm. through. And we wanted to honor that, like, strength through through humor. A am I correct that this was an indigenous person? 
Yes, uh, she was a she was a young indigenous woman, visibly indigenous, um, and I think what's important to um, recognize in this in in this relationship between Isla and Rosie is that Isla comes from you know forms of relative privilege. She's uh, benefits from light skin privilege. Rosie is visibly indigenous, and very much like that day when I first encountered this woman, um, nobody was stopping for her, mm. and I feel like it speaks to. Um, deeply embedded uh, racism that exists in mm. Canada and the fact that nobody cared because she was just another Indigenous woman. Mm. And so um, I think if it had been me that day, someone might have stopped. Mm. Um, and so we wanted to, to speak to that um, and, and the racism that sort of pervades in Canada. Mm. Rosie, the opening scene of the film, you're standing on the street in bare feet when the film starts, right? You're walking in bare feet, I'm assuming, because the camera follows you up the street. Yes? Yeah. And and you can kind of hear the, because it's wet, it's damp, so you can hear your feet kind of slapping on the concrete as you're walking. And I was wondering about pebbles, and I was wondering if you're stepping on stuff. And, and you mentioned something about it, actually, uh, in the, in there. Gee, it's a good thing you didn't cut your feet. Um, and and she's you're kind of dragging her up the street at times, you know, pulling her along to get her out of the out of the uh, the area. Um were, was there any concern for that, or was it, uh, or was it okay? <laughs> um, yeah, we d- we did have to think about her safety, of course. And she, I think we can reveal this. She, there were there were some sandals that she got to slip on after that after that first moment. <laughs> okay. Well, Rosie, let me, Rosie, and I'm calling you by the character <laughs> Violet. Violet, let me ask you this: Now that you've done this. Now you've got this. It's out there, right? You've seen it, and I'm guessing that it's it's been a positive experience for you. Mm-hmm. Um, how has this made you think about doing other projects and, and things? Um, so uh, Maya and Kathleen actually really helped me. They asked me, they're like, "Do you want to continue acting?" And mm. I was like, "Yeah, I do." <laughs> it's like it's I like being on set, and so they helped me get uh, an apprentice union hard and uh, also to help me find an agent and now I have an agent and um, they also helped me get headshots <laughs> <laughs> so I can get started so it was like a little starter pack for me right. and I was uh, I was on the Twilight Zone I was on an episode of that and that was really fun it was actually really different <laughs> like they had like a digital camera and I was like so there was so much like equipment on just one camera Mm. and so i was like looking at the little screen on the camera it was actually a big screen at the screen on the camera and i was like this is so much different than the body remembers (laughs) it's like (laughs) it's just a different vibe and um i actually have another feature in the fall that i'm gonna be uh, a part of congratulations that's wonderful um so uh, I'm, i'm wondering about the title could someone address the title for me, please? Um, so the title, uh, The Body Remembers When the World Broke Open, um, is a title that we borrowed from an essay by Billy Ray Belcourt. Mm-hmm. Um, he is a Cree poet, um, scholar, and he's also um, uh, queer, and so he, he speaks to you know issues of gender and race, and um, he's just he's uh, profoundly talented. Um, and so he wrote this essay, and it's about so many things, but it's also about the ways that um, this colonial legacy and the ways that ongoing colonialism impacts us and is very much embodied. Um, and we felt that this film speaks to issues of sovereignty of the body and indigenous motherhood um, and uh, and this legacy that both Isla and, and Rosie carry, um, but it manifests in different ways. Um, and how it is embodied. Um, so that's where we got the, the title from. And we're so grateful that, that Billy was gracious enough to, to let us borrow the title. Mm. Okay, thanks. Uh, is there anything else you guys can think of that we haven't touched on that you would like to mention? Um, yeah, one thing. So it was important for us in making this film um, to do it in a way that was holistic and community-based and um, didn't wasn't so extractive um, and to do that we wanted to involve in, uh, indigenous youth who'd been through care 
Um, and so a couple of things we did was we ha- we had a workshop with with six young women um, to help us make sure that the script was authentic and, mm. and we were portraying this experience mm. in an honest way. Um, and in addition to that, we, we brought on 11 uh, mentees onto onto the crew and each was paired with it with a key creative um, throughout the process of production. Um, and, and the purpose behind that was to sort of create more capacity within the industry for Indigenous crew and, and just to encourage growth within that community. And it was a very collaborative um, process for, for both the mentee and the mentor to have this experience. That's great. Congratulations. Uh, Kathleen, now you're, you're at the microphone. Uh, why don't you tell, tell us a little bit about other things that you've done? And uh, I'd like to find a little bit more about the relationship that you guys have had together in terms of working as well, if that's okay. Sure. Um, so before this film, um, I've directed one, one feature that, that premiered at TIFF in 2017 called Never Steady, Never Still. Um, and that was a very personal film um, that, was, that was inspired by my mother's experience with Parkinson's. Mm. Um, and so this is my, my second feature, and we, we came together to collaborate. We'd, we'd met, we'd been friends for a while, um, and we'd met through my partner, Tyler Hagen, who is Métis, and... It was just a nat- natural fit. We both really respect each other's work and have a lot of admiration for each other. Um, and we're, you know, just so excited to have an opportunity to do something together. Well, congratulations. Uh, and and uh, Maya, do you want to address anything there with the... Um, no, it was just, a, you know, working with Kathleen was such a phenomenal experience. I have such profound respect for her work, and I encourage everyone to go see Never Steady, Never Still if you haven't seen it. Um, it is one of the most moving Canadian films I've ever seen. Um, and yeah, it was a wonderful experience working with Kathleen. I think um, it speaks to the ways that settlers and Indigenous people can work together, how we can build bridges, how we can have complicated and difficult conversations, um, uh, and how that, that only strengthens our relationships. Mm. So uh, our time has run out, but I just want to say uh, for you guys coming in and doing this with us today. It was really nice to have all of you here in the studio. It's not often we get to have uh, everyone come in. That is, is uh, the majority of the people that are involved in, in, with the show and with production. So it's great to have all of you here. I would like to thank Kathleen Hepburn, uh, Alamaya Tailfeathers, and Violet Nelson, who are involved with The Body Remembers When the World broke open. Once again, Chimiguech, Nyawa, and uh, look forward to other things you guys will be doing in the future, and congratulations and all the best with this. Thank you. (laughs) And the body remembers when the world broke open, opens tonight at the Tiff Bell Lighthouse Theater, and it's also coming to a theater near you as well, as going to be on Netflix very soon.